It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jason Tatum was super efficient. The Celtics beat the Grizzlies. And, hey, Tommy Heinsohn is doing better. It's a Wednesday Locked On Celtics. Millie, let's go. Jay's back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. Hi there, John Corrales here, MassLive.com, Boston Celtics beat reporter, welcoming you back to a Locked On Celtics podcast here for you Monday through Friday. It's a daily podcast. If you're a new listener, we're here for you Monday through Friday, so be sure to subscribe. You're going to get this podcast straight to your device, follow on Spotify, however you want to do it. Monday through Friday, daily Boston Celtics content. You can also subscribe to Locked On NBA. I also host the Wednesday Locked On NBA with Jake Madison. So I was on that. Be sure to subscribe to that. And hey, while we're here, buy my book. Available for pre-order now on Amazon. The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. The best players at each position for the C's. Buy it, please. Comes out in December. The Boston Celtics beat the Memphis Grizzlies 122 107 behind Jason Tatum's 29 points on 10 of 13 shooting. That's pretty good. 4-5 from 3, 5 of 5 from the line. The dude barely missed. He also had 6 rebounds and a couple of assists. What a great performance, an offensive performance by Jason Tatum. That's one of the positives I'm going to be talking about. Also in the second segment, some of the negatives. In the third segment, Tommy Heinsohn feeling good. And a note about the awards voting, which kind of just bothered me. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Jason Tatum was, as I joked on Twitter, in his bag, as the kids say. But he really was. like He was doing everything he wanted. He was getting step backs. He was doing the sidestep thing. He was spinning. He was driving. He did everything. Anything Jason Tatum has in his bag to score, he was pulling it out and he was scoring. He was, and the best part about this, decisive with the ball. He knew what he wanted to do and he did it. What he didn't do was stand there shaking the ball like Carmelo Anthony and then saying like, okay, what, what do I want to jab step? Do I want to go this way? Do I want to go that way? But sometimes that's going to happen. You get the ball, there's a defender in front of you, He's not giving you any one particular thing, so you're trying to just shake loose and get something, set him up and do something. So that's what the jab steps are for, trying to get him to get off balance, to move a little bit. But Tatum in this game was decisive and making his move right away, and that just makes him a different offensive player. That makes him a dangerous offensive player. Get the ball, rip through, get to your spot. Up fake, get to the line. The five free throw attempts is is not bad. He could even get more, but the fact that he's starting to get to the line a little bit more 
is is a big step in his progression. So I thought that Tatum was just a really the dominant type of player that you want him to be, especially at this point, a week, less than a week from going into the playoffs. It feels like his bubble has been this microcosm of his progression over the course of the season. Like this three weeks in the bubble, four weeks in the bubble have been the same progression as his entire season where the beginning of the bubble, he was kind of just missing everything. And then as he went forward, he became this dominant player. And right now he's playing like he was playing in February. And so it was kind of interesting to see the kind of sped up version. This is like the time-lapse version of his season. Starts off missing everything, ends up being dominant, and instead of it happening over the course of four months, it happened over the course of four weeks. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, Other positives, I thought the passing. First of all, 29 assists. Uh, What did they have? 44 made field goals. So the Celtics passing has been crisp. They're moving the ball. Uh, Aside from the Orlando game where they were overpassing a little bit. Uh, I think the Celtics have been a a really good team when it comes to moving the ball. And Brad Stevens talked about it after the game. You know, the the ball was popping. The ball was really moving. And it, again, it's decisive stuff. It's drive and kick and get the ball to the other side and put the pressure on the defense. You know, I always call this like the wire hanger which you've probably heard me say before on this podcast, but you take a wire hanger and you just bend it and bend it in the opposite direction and keep on bending that wire hanger over and over and over and over again, and it's going to break. And that's what you do to a defense when you're moving the ball. You're constantly bending the defense until it breaks, and that allows for layups and open threes and clean looks and all of the things that are going to make people – look better offensively. I thought Tatum had a, a great play a great play where he shed a double team right around half court. It was a poor double team and he lofted that alley oop to Marcus Smart, who, by the way, sort of like floated in the air, just kind of hung there for a second while he caught the alley oop. It was just kind of wild and we know he's athletic we know he can he can jump and he he it's not a surprise to see him dunk but that was very floaty that, that dunk uh Jalen Brown's passing the bullet pass to Rob in the second quarter with like nine minutes to go it looked like Me- uh Memphis was in a like one two two zone and Jalen kind of shooed Rob away and Rob just kind of went and settled in the middle. It just stopped in the middle of the paint and they didn't do anything. There was no, it was just a poor read defensively. Jalen kind of looked off the defense real quick and fired this bullet pass right to Rob who, if that ball had gone through his hands, I wouldn't have blamed him, but he caught it and dunked it. And it was, it was just a great play. Great look. And his pass to Gordon Hayward, third quarter, it was a little high, but it kind of needed to be a little high to get past the defenders because it like just went over like two different sets of, of fingertips. 
Gordon caught it, landed, kind of checked his feet as he was landing, went back up, hit the three. Now, it's not a perfect pass. It's going to land in his shooting pocket and go right up, but it was good enough to get there. And you know what? If he didn't feel comfortable shooting that, very simply, he could have driven, drove the ball and kicked or tried to lay up or dumped it off. There are other options, but just by moving that ball from the right side, the right block, over to the left corner, that was just a beautiful look. I think the Celtics are passing pretty well. Speaking of Hayward, his dunk over Gorgie Jang was awesome. His, I've said, How many times have I said, Hayward is bouncy right now. He is doing things. That dunk was full-on contact, play through the contact, finish at the rim, that was sick. That was a sick dunk. And again, another sign of Gordon Hayward kind of showing you that Utah side of Gordon Hayward. I'm not going to belabor this point. I'm just going to say it's a continuation of what we've seen from Gordon in the bubble. Kemba Walker, very efficient night. I talked about in the last podcast I want to see him go for his. I want to see him get his shooting down. 7 of 10 shooting, 19 points, 2 of 5 from 3, 3 of 3 from the line. Still could have done more. Only played 28 minutes because that's just how it worked out. But he's he, he had that one move late in the game, the Kemba move. That drive, stop, almost do a full split, put your hand on the floor, bring the ball back, and take that pull-up jumper. That's impossible to stop. He either makes or misses that. The only way that you can contest that shot is if you fully anticipate it coming. And that's impossible to anticipate because he puts his head down and he drives. And only Kemba can stop like that. I said a game or two ago, it was nice to see that Kemba's brakes are working again. And that's what this is. After the game, he said that he felt good. It's the best that he's felt. So, hopefully, he stopped short of saying that he's 100%, that he's guaranteed to be ready. He didn't didn't say that. But he said he feels good, and it's, it's a nice progression for him. I don't know if he's going to play in that next game against Washington, but he is kind of where he needs to be as far as we know. Kind of where he needs to be. He says he feels ready. Ready for the playoffs. So, for now, I'm going to take it as just a positive. And I know he didn't say, oh, I feel 100%, but I'm going to take it as positive. The way he's moving, the way he's shooting, or the way he shot at least against Memphis, all positives. And I'm just going to leave it as a positive, and we'll find out. No Celtics practice on Wednesday. So we'll find out on Thursday how everybody's responding, What hopefully what the plan is. Brad Stevens not exactly letting us in on the plan, but hopefully we get a, a little bit of a better idea of how things are going to go uh, Thursday morning when there's a media availability at 10.30 in the morning for Brad Stevens for a noon game on Thursday. That's That's wild. Also wild, the fact that sports are back. Just the fact that sports are back and that we're watching and talking about this stuff. We've been waiting for this. 
for so long. Playoff basketball is here, and I've only got one thing on my mind at this point, my bookie. It's a home run. It's a slam dunk. It's that Kemba move. It's that alley-oop all rolled into one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with Major League Baseball here in full swing and basketball in full swing, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet. You win. They pay. Feel good about your team's chances this year? Be sure to bet on MyBookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows that you believe in your squad like betting on them right now before they even get into the playoffs. Why stop with baseball, though? Smart bettors are always looking for the future. And in this case, that means basketball, hockey, football. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today. MyBookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they will toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. That's all free money. All you've got to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can even follow us on Spotify. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Negatives. There weren't a ton of negatives, although I will say that the effort was kind of spotty. It was great when they needed it to be great. It was spotty when they stopped needing it to be great. It was kind of a classic, I think, Celtics come out. Ho-hum. I wrote down in my notes, the effort kind of sucks right now. Uh, they, they did not come out like blazing hot, but when they needed to turn it up, they did. Then they would get a big lead, and then they would go, okay, we got it. And then Memphis did a good job chipping away. Memphis likes to get out there and run, and when they started running, that lead started dwindling. But the Celtics responded, which is good. At least they responded, right? So... The, the effort, eh. Another negative, and this isn't quite nitpicky, but it's also he showed that it's not the hugest deal. Jason Tatum, his handle, he still turns the ball over a, a little too much 
for my liking. Five turnovers in this game, and it's not the aggressive type of turnover. Like, I'm okay with getting the ball up, pushing the ball in transition, trying to make a pass to a guy that's up ahead, and so, okay, maybe you threw it a little too hard or maybe a little too low or something like that, and it skips out of bounds. Okay, not ideal, but excusable, acceptable. That's it's You're making an effort to push that pace, push that tempo, and it got away from you. That's not the worst t- turnover in the world. Tatum's turnovers are almost always live ball turnovers, and they're dribbling turnovers, and you're almost always going to get Tatum turning and looking at the ref, complaining, that kind of stuff I don't like. But in this one, after the game that he had, like I said, 29 points on 10 of 13 shooting and, and the types of shots that he was hitting, this, this was a note that I wrote early, and I figured I'd just throw it out there because what the hell, why not? Uh, the another negative it was really the the potential for injuries. After a day where I said, "There's always an injury risk when you're playing sports." There goes Jason Tatum rolling his ankle on Jonas Valanciunas, and uh, nearly like making that a, a serious thing. Luckily, it wasn't, and he continued to play, and he seems to feel okay. Um, but that was scary. Kemba Walker trying to take a charge, and, and it might have been Valanciunas' knee he went into. That was scary. So the potential for these these injuries, like I don't know if that was somebody trying to scare me straight, but it kind of worked. Uh, I don't it, – it's fine. I don't know what the Celtics' plan is for Thursday. Again, it's a noon game on Thursday. That, that's a negative or a positive. I don't know. Maybe it's a positive. Just get it over with. Yeah, never mind. I'm going to call it a positive. Noon game, nobody cares. <laughs> it's against Washington. Washington hasn't won a single game in the bubble. Come here, lost all of them, all seven. Like, just get it out of the way. Get it done. Go out there, play it. It doesn't matter what happens. The Celtics can lose 200 to nothing, and it doesn't mean a damn thing. So they'll probably go out there and start, you know, maybe you start Taco. You start starting lineup with Romeo, Shimmy, Javante, Brad Wanamaker, and Taco Fall. How about that? That's probably, and they'll probably still beat Washington. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Washington go over the bubble, but that's a negative. And I'll just blame Kemba hitting his head for showing up at the post game Zoom wearing a Yankees hat. It was funny. He sat down and he's like, Boston fans are going to kill me. Because he sat down with the Yankees hat. Uh, we all know you're from the Bronx. And maybe when I was younger, it would have bothered me more. Personally, I I have respect. I have respect for someone who reps their home as much as he does. I Because we do it. You know, you're from Boston. You're from the Boston area. You're wherever you're from. You want to rep your home. You want your, your home area, your hometown then do it. He's from the Bronx. That's Yankees territory. I have respect for somebody who reps his town, reps his, you know, reps his neighborhood. That's so I'm not I'm I personally I'm not going to kill him for the Yankees hat, but plenty of plenty of fans will. Uh I'll tell you of all of the opposing teams logos, 
the Yankees the Yankees logo to me is the one that just kind of is the most off putting for some reason, um, more so than Lakers stuff. But whatever, Kemba, it's cool. Everybody in Boston loves you, so I, I think people will look past the Yankees hat. It's not a big deal. Up next, Tommy Heinsohn's doing all right. That's great news. We've got great news on Tommy and a mini rant on awards voting. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. In the second quarter of the game against Memphis, Mike Gorman revealed that he went and visited Tommy Heinsohn. Uh, he also put out a tweet saying the same thing, saying that Tommy is feeling good. He wants everybody to know that he feels good. So that's good. We're all happy to get some good news about Tommy Heinsohn. He had been hospitalized because of a blood clotting issue. And so now that that seems to be somewhat managed, uh, hopefully there's better news and maybe Tommy can start getting out and getting back into the broadcasts. It's, it, you know, I like Scal. I don't know some people what you think, but I like Scal. And, but, you know, there's something about having Tommy on the broadcast. It would be really nice if Tommy Heinzen could be back somehow as part of this broadcast. But the most important thing is he's doing fine. When Mike Gorman says when he showed up, he Tommy's like, well, where have you been? Where were you? And, of course, a, a comment about the refs saying all the refs should just stay in the bubble, leave them in the bubble when everybody leaves. Uh, so some some classic Tommy. And we all wish Tommy well as as he recovers from this blood clotting issue. And like I said, the sooner he comes back, the better it is for everybody. We all want to see Tommy, but you know, whenever he's ready, uh, hopefully that is soon. Okay. Awards voting is being done, has been done. And there are a couple of votes out there. I won't, I won't completely sell out the two people specifically that have spurred this because they're not the only two who do this. So I don't want to just make it about any one person. I'm sure if you did a search, you could find out who's out there voting more on narrative than on statistics and whatever. Or the opposite, the person who's voting on purely statistics and the wrong statistics. So the one that has been floating around the internet on Tuesday was the voting for LeBron James based more on the narrative of his season than the 
content necessarily of what happened on the court. Which, by the way, voting for Le- LeBron James as the MVP, not the wrong thing to do at all. He's, he's going to get MVP votes. It's basically between him and Giannis. But making the case for him as MVP because he had to hold the team together after Kobe and because when COVID hit, he arranged for something for these guys to go shoot around anyway. Like that's, that's not what the MVP award is about. You, the MVP is about the best player in the league. And, you know, people have these arguments about, like, well, what's really most valuable? Is Damian Lillard the most valuable player because he went out and, and dropped 61 points in this playoff chase? I mean, that's pretty damn valuable. I can't imagine a player more valuable to his team than Damian Lillard right now. And he'll probably get some MVP votes. You know, I would have him fifth on my ballot, maybe higher. I don't have a ballot, so I didn't really put my top five together, and I'm not going to do it right now. But this notion that you're going to vote for an MVP because of the narrative is 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 bad, and it's bad because you know you could say it affects legacy, and you know one more MVP or one less MVP changes how people view this person. Historically, that's true. But more so, the money is tied to this. MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, all of these other awards, there's money now tied to this. And members of the media now have an added responsibility because I can't, if I had a vote, I can't not take it seriously. I have to take it seriously because I don't want my vote to be what takes $50 $50 million off somebody's table. You know what I mean? That's not, I don't want that responsibility on me. If I'm voting for these awards and I leave somebody off my ballot, or if I vote for somebody for MVP or something like that, it's going to be because I believe that this person is the MVP or that this other person is not deserving of being in that list. It's not about oh, this was nice that he did this or anything like that. Like, no, it's got to be on the court because money is involved. And because the NBA decided in its infinite wisdom to make money part of the voting process and that a person getting one of these awards suddenly gets qualified for a Supermax, that means the people who are doing the voting have to take it more seriously. And then there's this other person who said that Andre Drummond and Hassan Whiteside are 1-2 in Defensive Player of the Year, which is an asinine statement to me. But, okay, fine. You want to say that they they are the best defensive players in the league? How how are you doing that? What, what are you basing that on? And this person, I even forget who it was, basically saying, well, it's block, it's block shots and rebounds. Well, first of all, that means you're only going to pick a center, And this isn't a Marcus Smart for Defensive Player of the Year. I knew he was never going to make that. But if you're not considering other stats, if if blocks and rebounds are like the two defining statistics, then you're really not paying attention to 
what modern NBA basketball is all about. And all of this is to say that, like I was just saying, voters need to be taking this seriously. And if the NBA sees that there are people who aren't taking it seriously or their version of taking it seriously takes them so far away from what's happening on the court that it's 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 not serious at all, then the, the NBA has to step in and make sure that people who understand the gravity of this vote are making this choice. So I'll just repeat myself one more time. If I become a voter... I don't want my votes to take money off somebody's table just because I didn't pay close enough attention. And so if you're voting, you have to understand that people have their, their future, their generational future is at stake. And I think that's a very serious thing. So, Hopefully the NBA takes notice and and makes some adjustments to who votes, how they vote, and all of that stuff. That's it for the Wednesday Locked On Celtics. Remember to go and subscribe to Locked On NBA because on Wednesdays I also host that podcast with Jake Madison. So I'm I've already done that show and that's going to be put together and released soon. And so. Locked on Celtics and Locked on NBA on Wednesdays from me. Please subscribe to this show. Follow on Spotify. You can also share it, share it with your friend. Tell two, three people that they should be listening to the Locked on Celtics podcast. That's great. Go ahead and do that. Everybody else, written review, good written review, five-star rating would be very helpful. Back tomorrow after a noon lunch date with the Washington Wizards. That's going to be fun. Stick around for that post-game podcast and a few other special things as we progress throughout all of this. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.